0: Hey, everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Chelsea. And this is Camp Final Girls.
1: No, I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, start. Okay. Hey everybody, we're here again. To Welcome story. to week two. Yay! Finally, I didn't think it was gonna happen. Oh gosh! <laughs> it's really hard to coordinate our schedules when Alicia can't get her shit together in her life. Oh man, yeah,
0: my life is pretty crazy.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had I literally had to wait until my child fell asleep, so she's gonna sleep for an hour and a half. You're the one that couldn't get your shit together. <laughs> Sorry, I have a child and I'm a single mom and my child's crazy, but she fell asleep like a long time ago. So I've just been waiting for you and I've been watching scary shows
0: and drinking some wine.
1: I know I'm really excited. We actually today when I got home from work, we started decorating for fall in our house with my roommates and we got like maybe a fourth of the way through and there's fall stuff everywhere and then we got tired and we're like we'll do the rest the rest of the weekend but there's already stuff everywhere so I can tell that I'm gonna really, really like living here during the fall because they have so many decorations
0: oh well that's good because I, I started buying some stuff but then one of the things I bought came broken the kids like it though because it's a it's a skeleton and they want to oh. put the, it, the head came off so they're like just put the head <laughs> by the by the gravestone I was like, yeah, but I didn't buy it like that.
1: <laughs> just buy some spray blood. I should have left my spray blood for you so you could just spray it all over.
0: Oh and yeah, pretend like
1: true. your skeleton was decapitated, like Marie Antoinette or something.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> so all right. Well,
1: it's your week. So okay. So are you ready up, to hear the story that happened in my hometown? I am ready. I'm drinking my wine and true crime glass with my wine in it (laughs) well I'm gonna have to get one too soon do it girl all
0: right so this is a story about 24 year old Rhonda Hamilton Witt and her four-year-old son Donnie from Simi Valley California Rhonda was the oldest of four she had one older brother one younger brother and one younger sister they described her as being an old soul beyond
1: her years I'm sorry to stop you did you say when she was born? What when does this take place?
0: Uh, this happened in 1978.
1: Well, like it, the crime happened or she yeah. was born? Okay, okay. Yeah, the so crime it's happened. The 70s.
0: So yeah, it's the 70s. She was 24 when this happened. Um, so her family described her as selfless, outgoing. She loved her family, especially her son. He was her whole world. Her brother Rick described her as a sweetheart. She was very caring and always wanted to help others in need. She had a very close bond to her siblings. She was like a second mother to the younger ones. So I feel like she was closer to the younger brother because he was 18. He was a senior. So, um, I think she was more of a mother figure to him. He really looked up to her. Um, so before she turned 18 in 1972 she married donald witt then they moved to san francisco because that's where he worked Uh, they eventually relocated to austin texas because that's where he was born Um, they had a child donnie jr but they eventually divorced in 1976. after the divorce Rhonda moved back to Simi Valley to live with her parents so they could help her with her son. So and as, the
1: dad wasn't in the life of
0: the kid anymore? Whenever I, whatever articles I read, he never came up, which seemed kind of odd to me because it's a story about a murder between his ex-wife and son. So I, I don't know where he is uh, in this... I mean, it
1: is the 70s. I feel like that was very common back then. I mean, <laughs> it's common today, but also like to name a child like your name, like make it a junior and then just goodbye. That's just weird. But
0: well, I mean, I- I'm assuming that he probably still remained in Texas and Texas and California are like pretty not that close. And that I don't I mean, I don't really know what happened to him because I mean, I could probably look it up, but who knows if I would even find it. Cause it happened so long ago. They probably didn't really care about him because it was mainly about them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it was, I mean, it's, it's such a common thing, especially back in the day for that type of stuff to happen. So I guess I get it. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. So um, she
0: enrolled in cosmetology and she also took uh, some other courses at a nearby college. I'm assuming it's Moore Park, but I, I don't know for sure. it didn't say. Um, so in the spring of 1977, she ended up moving into her own apartment with her son. Shortly after moving to see me, she started dating a man named Craig Coley.
1: He did it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Craig that
1: name, that name. Craig it
0: sounds suspicious
1: the way they are saying it sounds suspicious craig craig craig
0: Craig, he was a vietnam veteran and he Uh was the son of a retired la police officer so he was actually told you LAPD
1: would come in here and they came in here on the second episode
0: uh he was actually older than her um he was a night manager at a local restaurant how much older
1: um, I believe he was in his 30s because at this time she was like 20, 24. You said, uh,
0: when they met, she was in her early 20s. So, uh, okay. when she died, she was 24, but they had to be okay. dating for a few years.
1: Oh, okay. So she met him when her son was still really little, then mm-hmm. okay. Uh,
0: so Craig, um, her sister did not really like him. What What she said was that he was a weak man <laughs> and not someone she felt could protect her sister. She <laughs> said her sister was very fragile. And um, I guess she felt her sister needed a strong guy. I mean, I don't know what that is. He was is, a vet,
1: though. That wasn't
0: strong enough for her. I don't know. Maybe how he looked. Maybe she was judging him by that. I mean, I don't really know. But. I mean, based on what what he
1: looked like, do you have like pictures and stuff? I do. Um, (laughs) I'm curious. Did he have a mullet? Some weird glasses? Like fine.
0: I will send you a picture of. Hold on.
1: I want to see this weak man sauce that we got going on, all up in this crock pot. You'll see
0: what he looks like back then and what he looks like now.
1: Oh. Uh oh, like present day now? Yeah, he <laughs> does look pretty weak. It's that chin. It's definitely <laughs> that
0: chin. I mean, maybe he was just a really nice, like you know, chill guy. Like he just.
1: I just thought it was weird that you said that the sister described him as weak, but you started off by telling me he was a vet. Like that's pretty like two, yeah, like, conflicting I mean... things.
0: Yeah, that's, I could just tell by the way, because I heard this podcast and she was talking on it and the way she just, I could tell she just didn't like him. Oh, the like sister him, was? The sister. Mm. She just, I could tell she just didn't like him at all for whatever reason. Um, but she maybe has her own reasoning behind it or maybe she... I, she did say she was like the younger one, so she was bratty, and you know her sister would protect her, not tell on her. But then she would go and tell on her sister. So mm. it was kind of like maybe she had jealousy issues. <laughs> so who knows? I mean, I, I don't know her, so yeah. I can't really say who what kind of person she was. But um, she just didn't like
1: him at all. Um, Yeah, sometimes you get that sibling like intuition when your sibling or your friend or whoever is dating a guy and you're just like I don't like him
0: yeah and it kind of
1: sucks because you're like that's that person's really important to me and I don't like who they're like intertwining their life with but I got like I have four sisters so I've been through that a few Mm -hmm. times Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: you have multiple sisters
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes that's true I mean there has been some that I don't like and, you know, but it's their choice. So it's kind of like not up to me. You know, it's that's the person they want to be with or whatever, you know, who, who am I to be like, oh, I don't like this person because. Well, right. But then shoot,
1: your sister end up dead. Oh, <laughs> well, like, yeah. Not that's that true. I'm saying it's him because I don't even know the story, but I guess you can continue and I will make my assumptions later, even though yeah. I already said he did it. So keep going. <laughs>
0: Okay, so one day prior to Rhonda's death, she confided in her sister that she had told Craig that mm. she wanted to see other people.
1: Mm. Craig, he did it. I
0: told you he did. It. He was heartbroken over the huh. breakup, and yeah. he was not handling it very well because they've been together for a few years. So, and I'm ha- sure
1: he grew like a bond with the son too because yeah
0: he was like happens. a second father to him yeah you know because he was still four you know mm-hmm. when this happened and he they were together for a couple of years so you know um I think even the her mom said that she was very she liked him a lot which seemed kind of odd that the mom liked him but the sister didn't you know so
1: yeah that is kind of weird but I guess sometimes like you said sisters are could have a little bit of jealousy or it's just maybe the sister knows more than the mom does. Cause usually like your siblings will confide in you more than their parents. But
0: she didn't because I think her sister was a very private person. Um, that was the first time she really, because she didn't really know about him until they picked her up at the airport. So it was kind of like, that was the first time she met him. So how could her sister not really know about him? Um, It was, that was the first time, like when they first started dating. So maybe her sister was just very private or maybe she just didn't feel like she wanted to be judged. I mean, some people like to keep things close because they just could be having issues. you're telling
1: me that she was like hiding her boyfriend from her family? no.
0: Uh, I think her sister lives somewhere else.
1: Oh, you're talking about she picked up her sister from the airport and she was a boyfriend. Yeah, that was. Oh, I was confused. Okay, got it.
0: So, um, this happened Veterans Day weekend, um, in 19. He's a vet, so Veterans Day, uh, morning, she will was supposed to show up to pick up her sister because they were going to a friend's wedding and she was going to get her hair done at the cosmetology school. Um, and her sister grew worried because she wasn't there. She was supposed to meet her around nine. Um, but obviously around that time there was no cell phones. So, and I don't think she had a house phone because that's from what I read. Uh, she didn't have a phone. So, Shelly and her their father Edgar along with Shelly's husband at the time drove to her sister's apartment and Shelly immediately sensed something was wrong there was no sound coming from the apartment and um, they didn't have a key so they were able her husband was able to pry open a window Mm. and they lived on the second story so I don't know how they climbed in
1: maybe there was the ladder uh maybe it could be like a window like yours where it's like either a balcony or a walkway that led to like one of the wind like your master bedroom window like yeah right there yeah that's true not to like give away (laughs) a way to get into your home oh thanks um so she actually
0: went, so he went in first, she went in after him, and I don't think he realized that she did, but he went all the way in, he checked the bedrooms, he came out and he saw her. He told her what she thought, is that they were dead, and um, they didn't want to disturb the scene any more than they had. So who was dead? The, the sister and the son.
1: But the, the boyfriend wasn't there
0: nobody was there. It was just them two. They found, he uh, found her in her room and he was in his room.
1: Oh, okay. In their beds or something? Yes. Okay. I'm
0: getting to that.
1: Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assessing the crime scene before you you even describe it to me.
0: Yes. Uh, So my thought is they didn't want to disturb it because obviously they want to make sure to keep the integrity of the crime scene. So they ran to a phone and they called the police. Uh, When the police arrived, they noticed um, that there was no signs of forced entry or a struggle, which seems kind of weird because what I read sounded like there was a struggle. So I don't know if maybe they just saw the scene and and kind of assessed it by what it looked like.
1: Well, that's kind of confusing because if there was a struggle, but they were killed in their beds, you assume they were killed in their sleep unless there was a struggle, but they were put in their beds to make Mm. it look like they were killed in their sleep. Yeah.
0: Just wait. So, okay. (laughs) So the sister said that she saw like kind of stuff rustled around and his toys were on the floor, but that's like any single parent, you're going to have a little bit of a mess. Uh, But another article I read it said that it looked like a burglary
1: was staged.
0: Mm. So I could
1: see that like somebody rummaging through drawers and stuff mm. but just to look like it.
0: Yeah. Uh so the police found her beaten on the head and face and she was strangled with a macrame rope which I know what that is but then I was like wait is this what it is? But yeah. Uh
1: sorry you gonna explain what <laughs> so It is basically Oh, okay. Listeners, that's true. No. <laughs>
0: yeah. I should, because, you know, when I'm telling the story, they'll be like, what is that? Uh, <laughs> it's basically the rope that you like hang potted plants, you know, you could or you can make, you know, something like that out of it. Um, or decorative, uh, like wall decor. I mean, pretty much anything. I, I don't know why she had, maybe she had a decoration.
1: actually reminds me of like something you would do at summer camp, which is fitting because we're camp final girls
0: that's true (laughs) yeah so um there was also signs that she had intercourse uh but they were unsure if it was rape or consensual so they i don't think they wanted to make an assumption because she could have you know had somebody over prior to that happening
1: because i've never heard of that before i've never heard of Go, like police going into a crime scene and saying that she was sexually assaulted and be like well she could have had sex before it's this was also 70 love,
0: and this is a simi valley police department so just wait until you hear oh, more
1: this is I, simi. I
0: can't wait this is not yeah, but it's
1: still a part of like the la like area
0: oh yeah i guess that's true it's considered a part so a uh, physician later confirmed that she was raped um, and her son, you can go
1: boingo right there.
0: Yeah. And her son was found suffocated in his bed. <gasps> no, yeah. poor baby. Uh, during the police investigation, they looked immediately, of course, at her former lover, Craig, Craig. Yep. Rhonda's sister. Felt Wait, her- former.
1: Yeah. Cause she remembers she had just broken up with him. Oh, that's right. How long ago before this happened? Days. Uh. He did it. <laughs> okay, continue. Uh, Rhonda's sister felt early
0: on that Craig was the one that was responsible for her sister and nephew's death.
1: Mm-hmm. Police
0: interviewed Rhonda's neighbor, one of them who lived right next door, you know, wall to wall. So, you know, like, I've heard my neighbors fighting.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: one time I thought it was, like, the neighbors right next to me. I ended up finding out it was the one under me.
1: So I remember you telling me that.
0: Yeah, yes. so, I mean... You can hear fighting because it's like your these walls are so thin, so mm-hmm. like you can hear everything.
1: Yeah, and your walls are modern modern day. Imagine like in the seventies. Oh yeah.
0: So uh, they claim that at five thirty a.m. she heard banging and a sound of a struggle coming from Rhonda's apartment, which kind of seems odd that the police originally said that there was no struggle. But yet the neighbor said there was a struggle. Um, she heard since uh, And someone... when did
1: the neighbor call the
0: police? Um, I, I didn't read anything
1: about that. I Maybe not... she didn't have a phone. When oh. you were telling me that earlier, I was thinking about that episode of that 70s show when they like get a phone and it's like such a big deal. And so maybe it's just like not a normal thing back then.
0: True. Um, but actually, I think I heard... Uh, I don't know if I read it or I heard it on something, but I think they probably thought someone was getting around a little crazy or watching TV too loud. I mean, <laughs> did you
1: just call it that? <laughs> <laughs> They were getting around, you know, pretty crazy. <laughs> well, you just showed your age because I don't know what that means. <laughs> Wow, calling (laughs) me old.
0: (laughs) Um, So anyway, back to this. Um, So he, the person, or I don't want to say he, because it could have been a she, but, you know, the person left and she heard them leaving. Mm. Uh, She looked out the window. Yeah, the neighbor. So she looks out the window and she claimed to see Craig Coley's truck. He had a distinct pattern on his truck that, um, but she couldn't identify the person.
1: So there was another oh, she neighbor. She didn't see him. She just saw his truck.
0: She saw somebody leaving, but yeah, was, but
1: she didn't describe the person at all.
0: Um, I think she said it was, a uh, a man with short hair, but at the same time, it's 5. AM, you know how dark yeah. it is. So, I mean, things happen so fast. So maybe, I mean, we've talked about this before is witness testimony. It changes and like, it's just,
1: Oh yeah. It's always, it's always iffy with witness testimony because it can be good, but it can also be bad because damaging like, mm-hmm. because
0: you'll find out. Uh-uh. Um, so another neighbor, the one that lives below her named Glenn Watkins also heard noises But he said it was around 4.30, but then he changed it to 5.30. So it basically coincided with her, the other lady. Uh, So a few weeks prior to her death, uh, her and Craig had an argument and Craig left her apartment, slammed the door. Um, I'm guessing it was probably the same type of argument. Maybe she wanted to see other people or, you know, maybe she just wasn't into it anymore. So, I mean, who knows? why they fought or what the reasoning behind it was Um, so the police ended up obtaining a search warrant for Craig's home they recovered a bloody towel and a child's t-shirt which was Donnie's police believe the blood that that was found belonged to Rhonda and that t-shirt was used to smother Donnie
1: during okay, the- can I ask you something if you know the answer? When they were dating all those years, did they were they not living together? No. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, continue. Um, I was just curious because he was already in his own place and stuff a few days after, but okay. Maybe she just didn't like having her own place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But when you date a guy for a few years, I I just I mean I don't know
0: no one really like said how their relationship was. It was more about this. So it was yeah. kind of like only he knows like yeah. why they never moved in.
1: Um, right, because I was just curious. Cause I mean, him having Donnie's shirt sure, at his place isn't that weird, but then again, them having separate places to me is weird, but maybe the their relationship was just different or the culture was different back then. I don't know, but continue.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Let's see. During um, the police investigation, Craig had an alibi. He was socializing with co-workers at a restaurant until after 2 p.m., but then he dropped one of them off at 4.45, which was his co-worker later confirmed with police, but they just totally ignored it and arrested him anyway.
1: Wait, you said 4.45... PM? AM. Oh, you said PM. I was what? very confused. I was like, okay. that's plenty of time to murder <laughs> Sorry, I meant 445 a.m. AM. He was dropping off his coworkers at four in the morning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's some restaurant
0: or like fast food places that are open 24 hours. So that, that's probably where they were. I'm assuming. Okay. okay. Um, so Craig was arrested that same day that they discovered Rhonda and her son. He -hmm. was charged with first degree murder with special circumstances of multiple murder and murder during the commission of a rape. The prosecution wanted to seek the death penalty for Craig. So, Yeah. yeah. So in February of 1979, Craig went to trial at the Ventura County superior court. When the prosecution brought in the witness who testified that they saw Craig's truck outside Rhonda's apartment, she said she knew it was his because of the distinct pattern on the side of his truck. Police testified that there were no signs of forced entry and Craig had a key to Rhonda's apartment. A physician testified that Rhonda had suffered vaginal trauma, which indicated rape, although no semen was recovered from her body. Condoms in the seventies? Do you really think they use those back well, then? Well, if
1: you're trying to kill somebody, maybe. But if they're dating, like if they think it's yeah, him, but they're not dating. She just broke up with him.
0: Yeah, but barely, like recently. But just, just wait till you hear his <laughs> testimony, because okay. so the physician examined him, and he had a small cut on his upper lip, a swollen lower lip scratches on his right arm a five-inch scratch on his chest an abrasion on his back and his penis
1: he had an abrasion little (laughs) boo-boo i'm not sure why but uh sex or he murdered his ex-girlfriend okay i don't know (laughs) (laughs) okay keep going
0: craig testified in his own defense Mm -hmm. and denied ever committing this crime. He claimed to have consensual sex with Rhonda the morning
1: Uh prior
0: to her murder.
1: Oh, they were broken up, but she was still doing the diddly-daddly with him? Yeah, by what he said. So Of course he said that.
0: He also said, and this is what I told you earlier, he was socializing with coworkers until 4.30, then he dropped off, Uh, One of them at 4.45 then returned home. Several witnesses testified that they were with Craig and confirmed his account of the night and early morning of the murder. The defense argued there was no. (laughs) The defense argued that there were no visible injuries. Other than the slight redness on the right side of his chest. So I'm not sure why. The defense said he had nothing, but then the physician said he had all these cuts.
1: Because the defense is trying to be like, he's not guilty. That's their job.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So April 12th, 1979, the judge declared a mistrial because after weeks of deliberation, they could not reach a unanimous decision. They were deadlocked at 10 to 2 in favor of conviction. Craig went to trial again January 3rd, 1980. A jury would then convict him of first-degree murder with special circumstances. Craig was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility
1: of parole. So this whole time, police were just looking at him. They didn't try to see if there was any other suspects at all. Just
0: wait, because
1: Okay. there's a
0: lot to this. Oh um, no. And it's still, it's a crazy situation in general. Um, I honestly, from what I've read, it's the worst case in California. Um,
1: so n- by what standards, because I would say what happened after Golden state kill. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The, the
0: situation I, I would think not like her murder, his murder, like it's the more the whole situation as a whole.
1: Like how it was handled? Yes. Okay.
0: So um, according to the LA Times, January 1980, Simi Valley PD were already under fire for a number of brutality cases, low morale, a high turnover rate with a lot of administrative problems. How desperate was the Simi Valley Police Department to close this case against Craig? Did they
1: rush to make an arrest? What are your thoughts? I mean, I, like I said, think that he's guilty, but it's, this is what I noticed a lot about cases from back in the day from the 60s, 70s, and 80s is that. They hardly ever look at other suspects while they're pinpointing one suspect, which I'm not saying he's not guilty because I thought he was guilty from the second you said his name, (laughs) but also like you have to broaden your horizons and look at other possibilities and gather DNA and any other samples that you can. Cause I know it wasn't a thing back then, but it is now. So if they had gathered that stuff, they could have run it now and been like, Craig's not guilty. Just wait till you hear. Uh-oh. There's
0: more. I'm telling you, you'll be okay. like in shock. Well so, I So yeah.
1: Or will it be like I knew it all along? A local paper,
0: mm-hmm. the Simi Valley Mirror, stated mm-hmm. that Craig Coley was truly the wrong man and that Rhonda's neighbor, Glenn Watkins, should be arrested. James Whitehead, the editor, felt so strongly about Glenn being the person who committed the crime, although Glenn denied any involvement. There was no evidence linking him to the murders. Did James know something...
1: Why would they just be like Glenn did it and Glenn's like, I was at home? <laughs> that's that's
0: my thing is did
1: he know something that the
0: police and the community didn't know? Or is he just making an assumption because that's her neighbor? Which is, like
1: crazy to do to just oh, he killed them, like to blame somebody for a murder that they didn't commit. And was she crazy?
0: Like, what if she was seeing him on the side because that was her neighbor? Like, why maybe that's why she wanted to break up with her boyfriend? Cause she was hooking up with her neighbor. So mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they knew. I mean, a lot of times, you know, journalists will know a lot more than police because they kind of do their little dirty yeah, work, which
1: I hate because sometimes they ruin investigations that way as well. Yeah, because they don't get it the right way. Mm-hmm. So uh, see me, or maybe the cops do know that, and the reporters are releasing it before they should.
0: Yeah, that happens but, a lot too. But he is so adamant that that neighbor did it and that craig was innocent so maybe he just you know had a lot
1: more evidence or maybe he just but well, why wouldn't he share it then turn it into the police so that the police could turn their investigation he, away from craig yeah
0: yeah i mean that's true i mean i don't know maybe he just because of
1: journalism that's why because sometimes they're sleazy and they want to get the story
0: true So Simi Valley police investigated or the investigation into this murder would be highly criticized for decades. An acquaintance of Craig's, Bill Summers started a petition to reopen the case in March 1980. He claimed that the investigation was based on emotion rather than evidence. The petition said that Simi Valley Police Department investigation was unprofessional and incomplete. The first judge from Craig's trial said it was a miscarriage of justice. All Craig's appeals were denied. In 1980, a Simi Valley Police detective by the name of Mike Bender examined the case and found that Craig had a solid alibi. And there was only 20 minutes from the time he dropped off his coworker to returning home and that was not enough time to commit the crime. He also found that three of the suspects from the original investigation were never even investigated. So the police zoned in on him. They could care less about the other people. They, they, that was the ex lover, he did it. He had the keys, he had this, he had that. They already had their person. They They don't care about anybody else
1: yeah that that happens a lot during investigations
0: a and lot that, yeah and I think that's why maybe the journalist thought that too you know that they didn't care maybe they maybe they knew cops you know maybe they were friends with some and I mean who knows why he knew or thought he knew something you know so um hair uh wait a minute yeah. hair and fingerprint
1: samples were never even analyzed this happened so often though in the 70s and 80s in any place but specifically LA which I get it wasn't a thing back then but it was like protocol in most places to collect it because they knew that DNA and stuff like that would eventually advance which drives me banana sandwich because look at how we catch so many people these days that But then we do have samples,
0: but then back then they may have grabbed it, but they didn't even use it.
1: Well, okay. And that's another thing too, is when you were saying that the sister's husband was not wanting to mess with the integrity of the crime scene when he first found them or whatever kind of blew my mind because back in the day, people would trample all over crime scenes and not care about the integrity of the crime scene. I don't know that's just it's very common though which is really sad because I feel like nowadays hopefully people are more cautious of the way that they handle things like that but I don't know how you can't just be like let's tape off this crime scene and make sure we gather as much as we can but you're saying that they did gather those samples they just never never did anything Mm -mm. well can they now Or did they eventually? Just wait. So, um,
0: (laughs) um, Mike told the LA Times in April of 2018, a real investigation never occurred. Police ignored and overlooked evidence and other potential suspects. He was convinced that Craig was innocent. In 1991 he finally was able to meet Craig. And after interviewing him, he knew immediately that he was talking to an innocent man. He collected 16 boxes of evidence, but soon after he was ordered to stop the investigation by his supervisor or he would be terminated. So he quit and he took the boxes with him.
1: Why? Why was he going to be terminated? That doesn't make any sense. That's literally his job. Because the CME PD wanted Party to cover something up because they, or because yeah, they don't want to make it look like they F things up in the original investigation, which so dumb. Yeah. Okay.
0: So Mike would spend years pleading to the city manager, the California Attorney General Office, the Ventura County DA Office, and other law enforcement agencies. He even reached out to the Innocence Project. Throughout the years, Craig would be transferred to many different prisons over the years. One of them was one of the most violent ones, Folsom Prison. It was there that he learned to make jewelry and he sold it in order to make money And whatever money he earned, he sent it to his mom so she could pay investigators. He also started a Bible study, uh, and he earned many different degrees in biblical counseling, biblical studies, and theology. In 2013, Mike Bender helped Craig come up with a petition for clemency, which was submitted to Governor Jerry Brown. The petition stated that Simi Valley Police Department destroyed biological evidence that could have exonerated Craig. Rhonda's family and the Ventura County DA office opposed the petition, and it was eventually denied around the end of 2016. The reasoning.
1: Oh, you want to say something? I was just going to say you didn't ever say anything, and I don't know if you ever saw anything about how Craig like reacted when he heard that his ex-girlfriend and her son were murdered you never like mentioned that so I don't know did he act like sad and distraught about it yeah he was he
0: was distraught like not only did she break up with him but he lost you know because he grew close to her son and you know I think he was still in love with her so I think he was well I mean he
1: he claims that he had sex with her the day before exactly and then the next day she's murdered I don't know I just was was wondering that because I understand where you're coming from with trying to claim that he's innocent and in all of this but I never heard anything about the way he reacted just the way he reacted to being like charged guilty of the murder. no he not- was
0: yeah he was well I, I'm assuming that being charged or not being charged but being found guilty and you know he probably broke down. Anybody would, you know, claiming his innocence still. So, you know, they destroyed the evidence. So any evidence that could have exonerated him, like, was destroyed. Or was it?
1: <laughs> was it destroyed? Oh, I don't know now. You're making me question with that. The
0: Something. reasoning that the CME PD destroyed the evidence was because it was such a small police department. They didn't have enough space and the case was already closed. They thought they had their guy. A judge ordered or granted them permission to destroy the evidence in the eighties. So
1: um, I would understand if the evidence had been tested, which I know it, probably couldn't have been tested at the time because of the technology that they had but they I feel like they should which hindsight is 2020 I guess when it comes to this stuff but they should hold on to that type of stuff until they can at least test it and make sure even if the case is closed especially if the alleged suspect is trying to you know get appeal after appeal to prove that he's innocent you would think that they would just hold on to it just in case but
0: maybe there's a reason they destroyed it. Tell me the reason. In June 2017, detectives in a in homicide started looking back into the case and wanted to interview Rhonda, Rhonda's sister, Shelly. So she agreed. Simi Valley Police Chief David Livingston, I think that's how you say it. Started to review some of the old news articles about the case, and they were very critical of the original investigation in charging Craig with the murders. By allowing fresh eyes, he would assign cold case detective Dan Swanson to re examine the files. They found that not all the evidence was destroyed, after all. Some of it was found in storage. And biological samples that they thought were lost were located at a private testing company that had bought out the original company that performed the test prior to Craig's trial. Mm -hmm. So some of the material from Rhonda's bed sheet was sent in for DNA testing that was was not readily available in the late 70s. -hmm. It was revealed to have sperm and epithelial cells, most likely from saliva. Mm -hmm. None of this DNA belonged to Craig, but to an unidentified male, but it was later confirmed by Shelly, Rhonda's sister, to be from the man that her sister was seeing at the time. None of the DNA from Donnie's t-shirt, which is the one that they believed uh, suffocated
1: him, did not belong to craig but it was in his house how Uh, did it not have his dna on it if it was in his house i'm not sure no (laughs) no actually it doesn't make sense to me
0: um i think it was a different shirt that they found because this is kind of what they found on the shirt is very disturbing Weird too
1: to like suffocate somebody with a shirt.
0: I'm thinking they just found a shirt at his house, not the shirt that suffocated him. I think that they just found a t-shirt there, but um, they found semen from three different males, along with fecal matter on the t-shirt of the little boy.
1: Yeah, that he was suffocated with. Yeah, was she in an orgy, and then those men decided to kill her son too? That's just weird. What are you talking about? Yeah, it, it but doesn't. This, do- get this into isn't the it. same shirt that they
0: found at crime. No, I don't think so. I think they just found a shirt. I'm so confused. Okay. Um, I think originally they thought that, but they must have found another shirt there because why would he have a shirt? That has a bunch of different
1: Yeah, but it doesn't have his DNA, but it's at his house. That doesn't so
0: I don't think it's um the shirt that they found at his house. I think it's a shirt that they found there at the crime scene. Huh. So they ended up gathering DNA from Rhonda's entire family, Shelly's ex-husband, but they were all excluded as a suspect. The 39th year anniversary of the murders, the police went back to the apartment, looked out the neighbor's window, like around the same time before the sun came up uh, in similar conditions. And what they found was it was way too dark to see any details of the vehicle, and it was not possible to see inside either.
1: Okay, but it's 40 years later. Like, who knows what global warming has done? True, but <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming... What kind of lighting? I'm assuming they updated their lighting in their parking lot. Or True. Whatever. Okay, continue. I just uh, think that's a, um, a weird thing to do, but okay.
0: Yeah, so even though she, the lady was mm-hmm. insistent that she saw what she saw, the cop said, there's no way she could identify what she had claimed saying she saw a distinct pattern that was his. There's just, they just said, there's no way. So I don't know, but two weeks later on November 20th, 2017, Mm -hmm. the Ventura County DA Gregory Totten and Simi Valley police chief, David Livingston announced that they conclude Craig was innocent. And they supported the petition for him to be pardoned based on his innocence. The DA and the Simi Valley police chief issued a joint statement that said, reviewing the case in light of the new evidence, we no longer have confidence in the weight of the evidence used to convict Mr. Coley. We also believe that the evidence as we know now as we now know it would meet the legal standard for finding a factual innocence.
1: So this man spent like 40 years in prison for something that he didn't do? Yeah. And did he like sue the police department like most people normally do?
0: (laughs) So Governor Jerry Brown granted Craig's pardon based on his innocence. Two days later, Craig was pardoned with an immediate release from state prison in Lancaster. While serving time, he was a model prisoner and avoided violence, gangs, and prior to his conviction, he had no criminal history. Craig devoted his life to religion in 20, 20 2005. I'm used to say <laughs> 2015 or like stuff like that. Um, so he was able to spend Thanksgiving with Mike Bender, who was the, the guy that lost his job, his advocate. So he spent Thanksgiving with Mike and his family. Um, he also moved in with them, uh, so he can get back on his feet. When he left prison, he was given $200 on a gift card and a bag of clothes. It was almost four decades that he spent his life in prison. Craig was afraid to leave his house in fear of being stopped by police. Um, Mike set up a GoFundMe for Craig. It reached over 23,000, which helped him put a down payment on his house in Carlsbad. February, 2018, the state of California awarded Craig $1.95 in compensation, and in June, Craig filed a federal civil rights lawsuit seeking damages from the city of Simi and Ventura County. In February 2019, Simi Valley settled with Craig for $21 million. I feel
1: like that's, like, okay, I know he spent 40 years of his life in prison, but I feel like that's more than I've heard of other people who have Gotten out and like found not guilty, and they spend like pretty much their whole life in prison. Because, like, what is he like in his 60s, 70s at this point?
0: Yeah, he's 71, I believe, or 72 now, probably.
1: I mean, of course, I feel like they do owe him that, but I've, I feel like I've heard in the past of people that happening and they only get like $200,000. So the fact that he was awarded so much. But he's, yeah,
0: I mean, from what I read, this was the worst case of, like, him spending that much time in prison for something he didn't even do. And they didn't even bother trying
1: to see anybody else. Um, Okay, so they're worried about getting him out and getting him his compensation. But were they actually worried about finding out who actually committed the crime? So you know, they were able to enter the DNA in
0: CODIS, but they Mm -hmm. didn't find a match. And um, so they even thought the Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo, may have done it, but
1: Uh I mentioned him earlier.
0: He did. (laughs) But But he was eventually ruled out As a suspect because the murder did not match his M.O. or his other victims.
1: Did they test
0: his DNA? I'm assuming so because when I read it, he was. um, They ruled him out like around this like
1: our time. Yeah. And his M.O. was not to kill children, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. Um,
0: But what I read was that they said that he bludgeoned his victims, but she which was, is
1: how she was killed. yeah
0: so I, I don't know um maybe
1: he he did
0: worse to his victims
1: uh, i don't really know much about him i don't think it was him i don't think it was him but i'm just curious so now you're telling me that it's uh, unsolved yes the real killer is still out there or, or dead, dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so I mean, Aye. it's it's mm-hmm. sad because wait, they... but did they ever test the DNA with Glenn? Yeah, they did. They tested her neighbors. And... So that like reporter that was like, it was Glenn, it was Glenn, and then they're like, maybe oh, he just Glenn. didn't and like Glenn. All, oh,
0: well, Glenn sorry. was a bus driver, so maybe he didn't like him. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because so he worked for the city so uh, you know maybe you he knew him
1: kids around oh no
0: <laughs> city but oh maybe yeah I mean I don't know like maybe he just didn't like him who knows but really? either way the killer was never level.
1: apprehended why do we keep doing these unsolved crimes?
0: well because it's you know we want to put it out there that you know if anybody knows anything that you know kind of hard because yeah. it happened
1: no, for so though. Sure. for sure but okay and this is another thing that like I am not against at all like especially I don't mean to get political or anything but with like COVID going on and stuff and people are so against getting vaccinated because they're like oh they're putting tracking devices in your chips or microchips or collecting your DNA when you do those 23andMe stuff like and I'm always like but why are you worried about the government having your DNA if you don't plan on doing anything <laughs> bad, you know? Yeah, that's true. Because I feel like we keep catching these people with the genealogical like DNA stuff that's going on lately and it's amazing. And it's just, I don't know. I, I feel like hopefully cause now we know that they still have that DNA and it's been tested in CODIS, so that means that it's uploaded in CODIS, so maybe one day they'll find them. But I mean, this person could have just, you know, her
0: sister actually mentioned, she said this person just could have committed that crime and never did anything again,
1: you know? Uh, or Highly unlikely, but yeah. Usually people like that will at least do other small petty crimes, like rob a liquor store or something so stupid and little that they're dna or fingerprints which you say they had both like are uploaded into the system so yeah hopefully i don't know that's it's really sad because i know you didn't go as into as much detail about the crime scene and the victims as i did in my episode but it's like you're you have to understand that it was a single mom with her son and they were both just killed in their beds And it also could have been like, cause her sister
0: mentioned, like, I guess people were saying that she could have been having multiple partners. So maybe her sister was just that type of girl. Maybe she wasn't, maybe it could have been one of the guys that she was seeing. Like, I mean, look at like, maybe not back then, but you know, like the dating sites have people that are crazy that murder, you know? So what if she just met like a few was people hair in my
1: wine if you were wondering <laughs> There was her my- wait did so did they say that there was any drugs found in her system at all no they didn't say it anything about that okay
0: I, d- I just feel like they didn't really do their due diligence like they should have
1: well it, it's so rare in the in that time and age of like police work and in investigation for them to do due do, do diligence. But I also think of like um the John Bonet Ramsey case where it was like she they literally like let family members and neighbors and friends come onto the crime scene and walk all over it. And that was way more recent. So mm-hmm. I don't know I wonder I really wonder because um, you know in the true crime world right now we're talking about like Robert Dunhurst just got charged for murders he did in the past and admitted to Gabby Petito like her fiance is on the run right now yeah. and I'm really curious how, to see how like police work happens now versus back in the day because it was it was very like diddle daddle let everybody walk onto the i don't know why i keep saying diddle daddle i never say that
0: <laughs> i didn't even show you her and her no son. you didn't or
1: her son yeah, yeah you I should just... i'll send you some pictures so i'm assuming this is like a picture of when he went in and then when he like got out Ish. yeah okay so he actually spent his 71st
0: birthday in hawaii I mean, even though he's getting all this money, it's like, it doesn't take away like what he lost, you know, what kind of.
1: No. And it's really sad of obviously that he spent that long in prison and the police should have broadened their horizons when it came to accusing people. But what to me is even sadder is that this mom and her son were murdered and we don't know who did it. And they're just out there living their life. And instead of catching that person and making them pay for what they did we had this other innocent man sitting in prison for that long and And what's crazy is that they had all this stuff
0: that they didn't even use he had an alibi there's no way he could have done that stuff in 20 minutes there's just no way yeah yeah then go back home like i mean
1: (sighs) I don't know to me alibis from back in the day of somebody saying I was with him are so much different than like alibis today where it's like oh here's security footage of him at this store or this receipt from I I, like believe his alibi if it checks out it checks out but still like especially because of the industry that I'm in hearsay is so hard to just go by but if everything else points to the fact that it's not him and it's somebody else It's just weird, but actually it's not that weird because I feel like that's such a common occurrence for back in the day where they're like the spouse or the ex or whoever they did it. Let's focus all of our energy on proving they're guilty instead of finding out who actually is guilty. Not just
0: just that, but it's, you know, people say innocent before, you know, proven guilty, but I feel like it's guilty always
1: until you have to prove your innocence. (laughs) yeah I mean yeah but you also have to think of cases of like I don't know OJ Simpson or now we're talking about what's happening with the Scott Peterson stuff too is getting really intense because you know Scott Peterson was about to get let go and now the judge is about to find him guilty again and send him to a full life sentence again so it's like yeah, it is. I think it should be innocent until proven guilty, but like 95% of the time, who is it that commits these crimes? Yeah, they usually it's the partners. Significant others. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean it, it, it happens where you know,
1: this one, it wasn't. And which know. my point is they should do it simultaneously. Like they should investigate him, yes, but also look into other avenues, not well, yeah. just focus on that
0: other potential like Mm -hmm. obviously like they let those other people go they they could have lost all that evidence that they could have had back then yeah you know so it's it's still open and I I really hope that they they find that person because you know not only do they kill a single mom but like her baby like Mm -hmm. an innocent little baby like
1: yeah my heart bleeds for that because that's exactly what I am Mm-hmm. with my little baby so it's yeah. i feel it i feel that and if i got murdered and they accused you <laughs> just kidding because i'm not dating anybody single by the way put the word out there <laughs> <laughs> just uh, for real stuff okay well that was actually i'm really proud of you for that because i um
0: I don't mean, worry. I'm so
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm so into true crime, though, that I'm like just making guesses along the way. Which, yeah. Um, I mean,
0: which I I do. I love that kind of stuff, but I didn't start listening to that stuff until I met you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I want you to stop because I don't want you to hear something and be like, and then I start talking about it. Be like, oh yeah, I heard about that, and I'm like, now stop it. Which I'm trying to do cases that are a little bit more less talked about like the Scott Peterson is such a huge thing right now and it's still ongoing and I do want to talk about it or the Gabby Petito like I feel like it is important to talk about those cases too that are bigger but I also want to talk about cases that are less known and like we said earlier we're getting into spooky season so we got to start talking about some haunts and some ghosts and some paranormal stuff so well I
0: can't wait to hear your story hopefully it'll be intriguing and hopefully you'll scare the little panties
1: off oh yeah maybe i'll pee my pants (laughs) we just got really weird we just got too weird okay but i love you love you and i love the listeners all four of you (laughs) yeah hopefully we'll gain more momentum as we
0: get uh
1: more I heard some good feedback, but a lot of it I know is like family and friends that are listening to it. I'm like, you guys can like be honest. With me. Yeah, but um,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I'm sure as time goes, you know, like you said, like the other ones started out kind of rough, and now they're really good. So I mean, even now, like I've heard some they mess up, but so it's like, you know, it's just a fun, fun experience to have, and mm-hmm. you know, also to get these stories out there that maybe like even ones that if they're big or even old stories, because there's one I do want to uh, tell just because it's interesting. And I Mm -hmm. I think I've talked about it with you before, but it just in general, like telling the story, because maybe like I never heard about this person until, you know, my boyfriend told me. So I'm just like, I want to know more. And maybe other people will be like, oh, my God, this happened right now. Now I know exactly
1: what you're talking about but that'll be down the line and you'll forget about it so i I will never forget about that but yeah no i know what you're saying okay time to go all right well have a good night
0: all right hear your story
1: and goodbye everybody listening Goodbye. goodbye goodbye goodbye